sometime in 1985, Susan Baker's seven-year-old daughter came up to her and asked, Mom, what's a virgin? Susan's first reaction was, Oh my gosh! Susan looked at her friend, Tipper Gore, and exclaimed, Her daughter brought purple rain, Prince's purple rain. Susan's friend Tipper looked devastated as she shared that she did not think it was appropriate for her then 10-year-old child to have purchased. Finally, as Susan Baker looked at at the camera, she sternly said, It only made us mad. And we knew that other people didn't know about it, so we just thought, you know, we have to do something. Thank you so much for listening to Popular Education. My name is Tammy, and with me is Mike. Michael B. in the building. Can you hear me? Am I here? Yes, you are, Mike. How's it going? Now, yeah, Michael B. in the building. Michael B., hey, how's it going? Popular Education. Pop Ed, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have told you a little bit about that story. Uh, Susan Baker, if you're not familiar with her, is going to be one of our main subjects here. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Parents Music Resource Center and uh, its repercussion on the music industry and today as we know it. Michael, what's your thought about that? Um, basically, we're talking about that thing, that censorship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the rule that you can't say naughty words. And the rule of what are naughty words. And so uh, don't worry, though, FCC and everyone in the KBU community, we aren't going to be we using. We will abide we by will. the rule of not using naughty words on the air. Well, there are other, also other words to describe things that don't have to be naughty, but also uh, it goes back to the First Amendment, what naughty is, what naughty means. Um, and I feel kind of naughty just saying the word naughty continuously. So I'm going <laughs> to... You're going to stop saying naughty. So I'm going to stop saying that. Um, but finally, Susan Baker uh, gave up and she said, you know what? We got to do something. And something they did. In uh, 1984, five women, including Tipper Gore, Susan Baker, Pam Howard, uh, Nancy uh, Thurmond, and Sally... Nevesis, which I should be able to pronounce it, but I can't. They founded the Parents Music Resource Center, which was a committee designed to denounce the obscenities and violence of rock and popular music. And today, September 19th, um, in 1985, the PMRC, we're just going to call that uh, the Parents Music Resource Center for short, uh, went to court to make their point. Uh, After uh, two months, the Recording Industry Association, or R-I-A-A of America uh, settled and started placing the popular parental advisory stickers on new album releases. Uh, Today on Popular Education, we'll be exploring the different sides of the moral argument. We will ask, is this a form of censorship? Was this a legitimate concern in the 80s? Is the influence of music a concern for us now? Or was this the work of privileged housewives with powerful husbands with too much time and no appreciation for artistic freedom? Ah. Ah. Yeah. So uh, going back to the 80s, which were a crazy time. I love talking about the 80s. I know I wasn't there, but it just sounds like such a crazy time to have been alive. Uh, Reagan was president. Yeah. Um, yeah, that time. That time. Yeah, the Cold War was still going on. Yeah, that time, yeah. too. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like it was. It, I mean, you're saying it like it's two different things: Reagan <laughs> and Cold War. It it was one and the same. It's depending on who you were talking to at that's that true. time. That's true. Yeah. Um, hip hop was starting to get real big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was giving you know a whole new voice. When you think about times, trying times, especially, and times where. As we were as we were talking about censorship and and not being able to express yourself and not being able to talk and not being able to yeah. have that same voice mm-hmm. that everyone else has, it it requires a lot of resolve. Yeah, and that resolve can result in in a different way of creating and expressing yourself, and that's what I believe hip hop was it was a different way for like you had uh, a lot of bands during that time as well, mm-hmm. so. Groups weren't just like a person going into a yeah. studio with a synthesizer or a computer. People actually had bands collaborating and collaborating groups. together and playing instruments. And it started to branch out to the point where, okay, let's try this expression and let's try this. And, and it gave the opportunity for a new expression, which is rap and, and other forms of hip hop and expression. And you know, it's it was weird to me how um ladies at the uh PMRC didn't go after hip hop as much. They went mostly after, you know, metal music and rock music, which I guess was popular music at the time, although hip hop was getting big. And the eighties did bring upon the satanic panic. It wasn't that's when the debate was up about how much influence music had on mm-hmm. people because of the contents of a lot of the records. And then it just incorporated, hip-hop was pretty much incorporated later on yeah. because of the sexual content And the violence against women. I mean, I remember and in my day seeing like later on, on, on TV but in the beginning. Eminem tapes being burnt and stuff. Like, I remember that, you know, like, yeah. you know, them burning like tapes of different hip-hop artists, which was, so. That, and that was like later. So this was like that in was 85, which was later, like in the 80s, in the, in the so I mean, um, 90s. Um so, like I mentioned, the Satanic Panic, which went hand in hand with, uh, like, you know, those like subliminal messages in uh, that Playing they had the in rock. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, it was always that. That I always wanted to. I actually went out and bought a few rock records <laughs> just <laughs> just to see if I can play them backwards and see what they say, see if it tells me to do something. Like. Right. In the nineties, excuse me, in the eighties, it was also the uh, first mainstream documented case of AIDS. So. Um, you know, that was also kind of a, an eye-opening shock for, for people where otherwise there was a lot of uh, free love and, and, and like, open sexual being and, and having. Uh, well, personally, when I think of the 80s, I think of fashion, uh, Madonna, Cindy Lauper, who was also uh, put, a, you know, she got some heat on, for this group about her um, great album. Um once again, and, it was the high sex sexual activity. It was a, but I mean, it what was about, a hypersexual was, time. But you know, it's you know, we'll get to this later. But honestly, I mean, then you have the Roman, the Greeks. Uh, you have now. You know, it's like we are always. It's like this. It just so happened that I think these la- these ladies, and we'll mention it later. They managed to get it to where it got to a Senate hearing because of who their husbands were. To finish off with. Uh, Talking about the 80s, we had movies like The Terminator, <laughs> um, oh. which was super awesome and super dystopian. Uh, metal, hair metal, new wave, punk, they're all tunes for the young folks and the young people. Uh, teens were listening to Prince, and even kids as young as 10 were buying the album Pur- Purple Rain. 
Um, uh, not to mention he had a uh, movie. And of course the movie. Which is like, why would well, you buy the album if you didn't see like the, Did you not see the movie? Why would you buy your child the album? Why would, what would you think the, like by the context that's, um, and um, when asked about Prince's album, Purple Rain, Tipper Gore said, and I quote, the vulgar lyrics embarrassed the both of us. At first I was stunned, but then I got mad. Millions of Americans were buying Purple Rain with no idea what to expect. Thousands of parents were giving the albums to their children, many, even, many younger than my daughter. So that was her take on it. And I uh, guess maybe you should be a little bit more aware of the connotation of the stuff that you by your children, but um, that's why you keep yourself informed. Just listening to this story and going over this story, a lot of this conflict would have been solved if these parents would have been informed. Yeah. Instead of, um, you know, and it's understandable that you want something done on a larger scale, but it always starts at home. Yeah. And I'm a fond believer in that in um, regardless to the result and, and the intention, I think that it, it should have been a, a first addressed at home, that what are you doing that you're allowing your child to possess material that you find offensive and not appropriate for your child? Um, what are you doing? Yeah, and I think that also um, just one thing to mention that those times had a lot of crazy things happen, you know, like, oh, so like, first thing when I think 80s, I think of cocaine, so first thing that comes to mind, you know, and it's like, I wonder how much of it was like that crazy, because really in comparison to now, now is pretty nuts too, and I wonder how much of this is more of like a reflection of the older generation looking at the younger generation be like, I'm not, I don't get you, so I'm going to try to morally reform you uh, through legislation, you know what I mean? It's like, where if you just picked up this album, maybe listened to to it and just tried to understand where it comes from because like and i'm guilty of it like i listen to like the modern day type of music and i'm like i don't get this i think what is this i honestly i can tell you that i think that it, it's something on a higher level because of the fact that as you mentioned a few times these were popular uh uh high high profile women who were attached to powerful men. And now, only now, what, two decades later, are we realizing how much garbage and nonsense was going on during that time that was hidden? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Frank, Frank Zappa who called it uh, something along the line of like a pet project by or a pet hobby or something. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, in um, this is just my little similarity when I, or my little connection when I was doing a research for the, um, for the episode, and again, I'm not a historian. I just did a lot of research for the episode. Um, in 1985, Back to the Future was the number one movie in uh, the number in America. So I think that maybe the nostalgia of the movie spoke to a larger generation of America, and like many people, most of them being parents and authority figures, um, were kind of like missing old America. You know, like the way quote unquote it used to be. And then when I was, um, you know, looking up just different quotes and um, the different members that were um, part of the PMRC. Uh, Candy Strout, who was a journalist and a spokesperson, um, when she debated Frank Zappa on TV, she was saying, and I'm quoting, we were a family completely saturated in music. I remember one time one of my kids said, listen to the song, but don't listen to the lyrics, mom. You won't like them. Sure enough, it was some explicit song. I think it was something by Prince. 
I kind of looked into the topic and interviewed a bunch of different people in the music world. I thought, wow, it's really changed since the days of the Beatles and Elvis. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and yet their parents were Come, saying, what is this stuff? What is this Beatles nonsense? What is this Elvis right. stuff? Right, I mean, you like, know? I had this discussion a few times, and what I, my answer is this. Yeah. It's about the passion and yeah. the work that went into that music. It's not a manufactured thing. So when you equate censorship into something that's supposed to be natural, mm. something that's supposed to be felt by the audience mm -hmm. or by the, the people who follow it, you take away from it. You water it down. You filter it. It's not in its purest form. And when you think about the 80s and how, uh, you know, we talked about rap and we talked about different music. And I mean, you can argue Purple Rain was one of Prince's strongest albums. And the reason why it was so strong, I mean, I had to listen to it, even though I didn't want to. Mm. And I had to watch the movie. <laughs> so it was like Prince posters. It was just yeah. like a marketing explosion. So you couldn't help from it reaching everyone. Yeah. Because it was so big. Yeah. So it, it would filter down to people who weren't supposed to have it. So you must have been trapped course, underneath yeah, a rock yeah. to not know that Prince Purple Rain, it was a movie. That's a, yeah, Everybody that's a had point. a post on the yeah. wall. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I think he had a doll. <laughs> you know, it was maybe Prince cereal. Who Ooh, knows? That sounds delicious. You know, it's purple, oh, too. Of course. It's um, purple. It's also <laughs> worth noting that at the time, the PMRC wasn't the only standalone group that was doing stuff like this. They were part of a much, much larger crusade um, from the what they call, quote unquote, um, religious right aimed to purified America's mainstream. Uh, so that was something that, you know, that you also got to take into consideration. The PMRC, also known as the Washington Wives, the women who founded the PMRC are a wife of a senator, or letter later known as Vice President Al Gore. Uh, his wife's name is Tipper Gore. Uh, Susan Baker, the wife of a of Treasury Secretary James Baker. Pam Howard, the wife of Washington retailer, um, Raman Hauer and Sally Nauvius, wife of former Washington City Council Council Chairman uh, John Navius. At its height, the committee held 22 members. However, the committee lacked any kind of uh, scientific backings to their claims. Uh, they had a lot of suggestions, however, on how to combat the quote-unquote evils of popular music, music and rock music at the time. Uh, Mike, I'm just going to go ahead and paint this picture for you right now. Some of the items that included were printing warnings and lyrics on album covers, forcing record stores to put album cover covers with explicit covers under the counters, uh, pressuring television stations not to broadcast explicit songs or videos, reassuring, uh, reassessing the contracts with musicians who perform violently or sexually in concert and creating a panel to discuss industry standards. They also suggested a content-based rating system giving X for profanity or sexual explicit lyrics, O for occult references, I'm not even kidding, <laughs> or D slash A for lyrics about drugs and alcohol and V for violent content. That is a lot, and I also just want to mention that this is a supposed non-government entity, a civilian group, so uh, really what it is is that they had these quote-unquote 
um, options, and they wanted the the industry to just adhere to their to their suggestions. But uh, I want to say willingly, voluntarily adhere or else. Once again, I'm going to point to the fact that status played a large role in that, as you pointed out a few times, that because of their privilege. Yeah, I mean, they got a uh, Senate committee hearing easily where I think there are a lot of uh, I think a lot of activists will agree that that's something that's pretty hard to do. So, yeah, there's definitely the matter of privilege that went into it. And I think that it's not so much a privilege, just the fact that they used it for, for evil. <laughs> like, it's just, it's like, why would you do this? But there is definitely a, I can understand just in a sense of being scared for your children and all that, but uh, Dee Snyder, who was the lead man for Twisted Sister, said it best. He said, I'm a parent too. And I totally, ad- and the only thing that you write about is that, yeah, parents should have control of what their kids listen to. And that's why I listen to and make sure I know what my kids are listening to. So... It was, I mean, the whole trial itself, and I have some skit, uh, some clips from it, the whole trial itself just ended up being kind of um, a mockery, but uh, not a mockery, it was just, it just made the PMRC look stupid, but the problem with that is that it didn't do anything. You know, like, they didn't remove the explicit lyrics, uh, you know, we, we still have content advisory stickers on 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 anything you know like we still have there's still content there's still rating the group of moral crusaders use a lot of scare talk tactics and unfounded uh statistics like how quote-unquote teen pregnancies and teenage suicide rates are at epidemic proportions at this time and uh, end quote and that they say that in every they say that in our time they said that in the I 60s mean, they said that in the 50s they said so that, so, so it, you know? this is this is in reference to the music yeah that that's what this they're saying causes, that this is what's causing yeah this so there's always Something other than proper parental yeah. guidance yeah, it's always something that else. causes a, a person's, a, a teenager to do things. It's always something else. And, you know. But it's not, it wasn't, you know. It, it wasn't, and it wasn't and it, that it, case yeah. anyway. So it wasn't the case. The kind of claims, uh, those are the kind of claims that they, that were meant to prove that popular and rock music were ruining society. And so to on this day in history in um, 19... 19- 85, the committee of quote-unquote Washington wives used their connections to secure a Senate hearing about the matter. And so the actual thing that they were contesting were um, the subject of the content of certain sound recordings and suggestions that recording packages be labeled to provide a warning to prospective purchasers of of sexual explicit or other potential offensive content, end quote. So that Go. is, so that is, <laughs> Go. yeah, so that, is, so that is pretty, pretty specific. And again, just to know that it was a civilian group that brought this to a Senate hearing. Obviously, they used their contact and, you know, as you mentioned, their privilege to, to do that, to infringe what their, you know, their morals, philosophies on, on something new, something that was. I mean, was, just imagine the 80s. Yeah. Where, where 70%, probably higher of your television content, what you watch on television, what you listen to on the radio was pretty much force fed to you. Yeah, it was like the he- was the height of much, consumerism. Yeah, it, uh, MTV was its exactly. at its prime. It you was know? it was that social, it, not social. It was that media engine. That, yeah, that machine was that, pumping at that pumping was it pumping out, yeah. at its at its highest. So you can, I can see how you know trying to regulate it, something you know, oh, of course. trying to tame a machine, t- tame the 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 beast that you don't know. The co-founder of the PMRC, Susan Baker, began her testimony uh, hearing, the Senate committee hearing, by saying, "quote 
we decided that we would get together and get everyone on our address list and have a meeting and show them what we were upset about. Most of us didn't have a clue what was going on. That's how it started. We had no idea that we were going to start an organization. We were just mad mamas who wanted our friends and particularly educators to know what kind of trash our, our kids were buying. We felt we needed to do something in the form of product labeling. That's what they felt like. Um, so putting all of these warnings <laughs> and all of these uh, diversions and all of this misinformation on, on the packaging was a way of them... Warning, warning. The per yeah which is you know for, for with purple rain it's like okay it's it's if you don't it, you've seen with the movies like obviously don't get your 10 year old you know it's, it's not gonna be appropriate at least not in my opinion if you get something like black sabbath or something you know you see an album and it's of you know something that is obviously uh, meant to invoke some sort of uh feeling of I mean, you see, like you know, characters like Ozzy Osbourne or something like crawling, like these things yeah, are I know hilarious. Where you're going because They're I'm hilarious. Thinking, I'm They're think not supposed to be, you know. <laughs> I mean, even like even like album covers and stuff like that. I mean, like even the aware, marketing, you know. And you kind of, I mean, for me, I'm going to look at that and I'm going to look at my ten year old and I'm going to be like, no, yeah. I don't think this is for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, just because you have an album that's called Master of Puppets. You know, does it, just because the word puppet is in it doesn't necessarily mean that your three-year-old should be listening and to it. And I mean, it. the argument before was a lot of the marketing was geared toward children by putting animation and color colors and, you know, things like that. I never seen that during, like, all of these attacks. Mm. Um, And that's what I mean by, like, the album covers were pretty graphic. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and Look, the cartoons during that time, they were so graphic. Cartoons from the 80s, they were, like... And then the flip, and the flip side to that all is, I mean, who is selling a 10-year-old Purple Rain album? I mean, like, I mean, it, 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 there wasn't no checkout during that time. <laughs> no, there wasn't a self-checkout. There either. wasn't no Amazon. That's so you couldn't, you couldn't order online. You yeah. had to literally go up to a register. I was there. I know. Yeah. And I was there in the 80s. You had to go <laughs> to a register and actually look at a human being and purchase something. Actually, so, you had to look at a 10-year-old's eye and say, so, I'm going to give you this uh, Darling Nikki album. Yeah, so somebody <laughs> leaned over and said, yeah, yeah, um, I can see you. You definitely need you to need bathe this. This in some, you need. you need to bathe in some purple rain. Some, um, <laughs> so is it censorship? Was this actually uh, illegitimate concern? Okay, um, can I can I, can I I play devil's advocate for sure. a second? Um, I, I, I mean, like we was bashing these 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 people who actually formed a committee and they were passionate about an idea and they actually went through the trouble of, of the of, trouble. It, it was like a two, it, it literally, they say we put our, we got, we got, we got everyone in our address list. You know, if I got everyone in my address list, you know what we'd be able to accomplish? Well, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, these are much. rich, these are rich privileged types and they have a circle. They have their own circle of, of, people who well, support them now i i just like i said i just wanted i want to play the other side and say that these these people were passionate enough to bring this to the true. attention that they felt that this was initially about the children this was about the children and trying to make it right and safe for children to enjoy the same 
uh, uh, music or whatever, it's or all, having it's a safe about place the for children. Yeah. It's so we... I mean, like I look at that and and I say, okay, um, is that so wrong to say that? At least if you're going to have a product, at least let us know what's in it. No, I I I, I agree with you, but um, no one can say it better than uh, this lively fellow right here. This is from a good friend of mine, Frank Zappa, uh, where he discusses exactly what this uh, type of policy would mean. Uh, first thing I would like to do, because I know there is some foreign press involved here, and they might not understand what the issue is about. One of the things the issue is about is the, the uh, First Amendment to the Constitution. And I, it's short, and I'd like to read it so they will understand. It says, Congress shall make no, no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's for reference. These are my personal observations and opinions. I speak on behalf of no group or professional organization. The PMRC proposal is an ill-conceived piece of nonsense which fails to deliver any real benefits to children, infringes the civil liberties of people who are not children, and promises to keep the courts busy for years dealing with the interpretational and enforcemental problems inherent in the proposal's design. It is my understanding that, in law, First Amendment issues are decided with a preference for the least restrictive alternative. In this context, the PMRC demands are the equivalent of treating dandruff by decapitation. No one has forced Mrs. Baker or Mrs. Gore to bring Prince or Sheena Easton into their homes. Thanks to the Constitution, they are free to buy other forms of music for their children. Apparently, they insist on purchasing the works of contemporary recording artists in order to support a personal illusion of aerobic sophistication. Ladies, please be advised, the 898 purchase price does not entitle you to a kiss on the foot from the composer or performer in exchange for a spin on the family Victrola. Taken as a whole, the complete list of PMRC demands reads like an instruction manual for some sinister kind of toilet training program to housebreak all composers and performers because of the lyrics of a few. Ladies, how dare you? The ladies' shame must be shared by the bosses of the major labels who, through the RIAA, chose to bargain away the rights of composers, performers, and retailers in order to pass H.R. 2911, the blank tape tax a private tax levied by an industry on consumers for the benefit of a select group within that industry. Is this a consumer issue? You bet it is. The major record labels need to have HR 2911 whiz through a few committees before anybody smells a rat. One of them is chaired by Senator Thurman. Is it a coincidence that Mrs. Thurman is affiliated with the PMRC? I can't say she's a member because the PMRC has no members. Their secretary told me on the phone last Friday that the PMRC has no members, only founders. I asked how many other DC wives are non-members of an organization that raises money by mail, has a tax-exempt status, and seems intent on running the Constitution of the United States through the family paper shredder. I asked, if, I asked her if it was a cult. Finally, she said she couldn't give me an answer and that she had to call their lawyer. While the wife of the Secretary of Treasury recites, gonna drive my love inside you, and Senator Gore's wife talks about bondage, and oral sex at gunpoint on the CBS Evening News, people in high places work on a tax bill that is so ridiculous 
The only way to sneak it through is to keep the public's mind on something else. Porn rock. Is the basic issue morality? Is it mental health? Is it an issue at all? The PMRC has created a lot of confusion with improper comparisons between song lyrics, videos, record packaging, radio broadcasting, and live performances. These are all different mediums, and the people who work in them have a right to conduct their business without trade-restraining legislation whipped up like an instant pudding by the wives of Big Brother. Is it proper that the husband of a PMRC non-member founder person sits on any committee considering business pertaining to the blank tape tax or his wife's lobbying organization? Can any committee thus constituted find facts in a fair and unbiased manner? This committee has three that we know about, Senator Danforth, Senator Packwood, and Senator Gore. For some reason, they seem to feel there is no conflict of interest involved. Children in the vulnerable age bracket have a natural love for music. If, as a parent, you believe they should be exposed to something more uplifting than sugar walls, support music appreciation programs in schools. Why haven't you considered your child's need for consumer information? Music appreciation costs very little compared to sports expenditures. Your children have a right to know that something besides pop music exists. It is unfortunate that the PMRC would rather dispense governmentally sanitized heavy metal music than something more uplifting. Is this an indication of PMRC's personal taste or just another manifestation of the low priority this administration has placed on education for the arts in America? The answer, of course, is neither. You can't distract people from thinking about an unfair tax by talking about music appreciation. For that, you need sex, and lots of it. The establishment of a rating system, voluntary or otherwise, opens the door to an endless parade of moral quality control programs based on things certain Christians don't like. What if the next bunch of Washington wives demands a large yellow J on all material written or performed by Jews in order to save helpless children from exposure to concealed Zionist doctrine? Record ratings are frequently compared to film ratings. Apart from the quantitative difference, there is another that is more important. People who act in films are hired to pretend. No matter how the film is rated, it won't hurt them personally. Since many musicians write and perform their own material and stand by it as their art, whether you like it or not, an imposed rating will stigmatize them as individuals. How long before composers and performers are told to wear a festive little PMRC armband with their scarlet letter on it? Bad facts make bad law, and people who write bad laws are, in my opinion, more dangerous than songwriters who celebrate sexuality, Freedom of speech, freedom of religious thought, and the right to due process for composers, performers, and retailers are in peril. Thank you so much, Frank. Uh, that was my good friend Frank Zappa uh, during his Senate hearing against the Washington Wise or the PMRC. I think I Sensor. think Frank really laid it down. He did. Man. He did. I think. I mean. Did he really tell him how he felt? Yeah, the way that he described everything was pretty, um, pretty spot up, uh, spot on, and also the comparison between them. You know, because you say you have movie labels, so why wouldn't you have music labels? Well, he explained that just uh, not a, a a possible or viable way for an artist to be able to uh, make music, because then they get uh, penalized basically for having a specific kind of character or for having quote unquote the wrong kind of moral standing. And, and once again, he did point out the fact that these these individuals were very much privileged in that opportunity they used a opportunity and a position of privilege to get the the um complaint in order 
Yeah. And so um, that was pretty awesome to hear from a good friend, Frank Zappa. Um, you might know him from uh, his musical career. Also being a bad, awesome. A bad man. A ba- a ba- <laughs> a bad, but in a good way, like a bad man. Yeah, like a bad man. Getting it, taking them to court. I'm like, I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna get you. I'm go- exactly, yeah. And he got done, done God got him. Uh, you're listening to me, Tammy, and Michael B. Michael B. Here yeah. on Popular Education on KBOO Community Radio. I just had to play Purple Rain because they kept mentioning it and I just uh, have it stuck in my head now. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Uh, that was my episode from last week. I never got a chance to update it and put it on the podcast. Um, I had a really good time talking about the Parents Music Resource Center. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can feel free to hit me up on the Instagram. It is Popular Education Radio. Uh, you can also hit it up on the email, populareducationradio at gmail.com. Uh, have a great time doing this, and I will be back in a couple more days to update you all with another episode. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Take care of yourselves and each other. Like it or not, we are all that we've got.